the Construction Employers Podcast, your connection to what's happening in the Northeast Ohio construction industry. Brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Hello, everybody. This is Tim Linville again, your host of the Construction Employers Podcast. It's October 1st, 2019, here with Glenn Shoemate. And our guests today are Allison Fry and Brendan Lisk at SME here in Cleveland. Welcome. Hey, Tim. Thank you. Yeah, glad you came. And both of you are project managers at SME? That is correct. Yep. Tell us about SME, Allison. What What do you do? So I, as a little bit of a background, I'm a civil engineer by training, kind of more into the soils and materials side of things. So think reinforcing steel, concrete, pavements, some coatings as well. Uh, so I manage projects relating to those. So everything from redoing an existing parking lot looking at some recycling options for that, looking at issues with concrete slabs or planning those projects, and then looking at some um, improvements we can do to storm water and other sites. Okay. So, Allison, what uh, credentials do you have? What college did you attend? Well, I attended the Ohio State University. <laughs> Go Bucks. Exactly. <laughs> Got a bachelor's from there, and I had just wrapped up my master's at the University of Akron, both in civil. Very nice. Mm-hmm. What about you, Brendan? Uh, so I'm a geotechnical engineer, uh, civil background, um, project management at SME. I say I focus a lot on uh, deep foundations, slope stability, um, earthwork challenges, um, that kind of that kind of vein. Um, and I went to Ohio University, <laughs> which I believe was founded first. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, like Allison, I also uh, went to uh, University of Akron for a master's program. And SME, it stands for something. What is it? Soil and materials engineers. We're very creative. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of tells the story of, of the kind of services you provide. Yes, Absolutely. When you went to school for engineering or for specifically soils engineering? So I went for civil engineering. I spent a little time doing some undergraduate research in the soils lab. Mm -hmm. So that kind of sparked that passion pretty quickly of, hey, uh, the trouble is really when you get into the dirt and the material side of things. So, mm. yeah. What do you mean trouble? So when I say trouble is uh, when you go to different sites across the country Building or framing a building or building a parking lot, those materials, it can stay pretty consistent across the United States. But the trouble comes when you don't know what you see underground. And that changes site to site, depending on how many times it's been developed, what kind of soils you have out there. So it's a new challenge every day. And what does SME do to try to figure out what the troubles are, what challenges are under the ground? So I think, I think one of the big challenges we have, especially in cities like Cleveland, is that you have these small block sites that have been developed since the early 1900s, if not earlier, maybe even the mid-1850s. They've been developed and torn down, developed and torn down. And they didn't, not that they didn't believe in engineering controls back then, but it's not like they had somebody on site doing that testing, making sure, hey, we're backfilling these big holes in the ground properly. They just kind of pushed all the debris in there and said, okay, it's flat. We'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you find underneath a site? Uh, 
you can find all kinds of stuff. Building rubble, mostly it's going to be brick, concrete, old slabs, old foundations. Uh, the other day I found an old uh, tank of compressed air, which we weren't sure was still active or not. Yeah. Uh, so you can, uh, I think, old uh, underground storage tanks for gas stations. You never really know. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where we try to come in and try to limit the unknowns for you. Mm. And when you do uncover something like, especially an underground storage tank that nobody knew was there, and that happens more often than you'd yeah. think, uh, we can engage our environmental group to help you figure out, hey, what do we need to do to take this out safely and backfill it so that we don't have any issues with the EPA and we're good to go. Mm. So you're both civil engineers mm-hmm. in training. Who else does SME employ? So we've got a pretty wide breadth of people. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Brenda? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, we got um, from engineers. uh, We have a couple different categories of engineers. So you could have uh, geotechnical, environmental focus, materials focused. Um, But then even beyond that, we also have um, a wealth of uh, knowledge from our soils technicians who um, really Get you know a lot of a lot of field experience um, from different sites that they've been on over the years. Um, we get them through a bunch of uh, technical training courses um, to make sure they're certified. And I'm trying to think of some of the uh, NYSET um, certifications, um, different ODOT qualifications. We also have a couple of architects on staff that they've got a neat job. They're not the typical architects. They look at uh, building facades and say, okay. We have a leak in our facade. What do we do? Mm. So we do everything from the specialty contractors that work on facades. Hey, how can we help you figure out where this leak is, solve this problem, Mm -hmm. uh, to helping an owner that has a issue or they want to restore a historical facade to its former grandeur. So tell us a little bit about, I guess, SME historically and I think you're out of Michigan, and how long have you had a Cleveland presence and size of staff? Sure. So uh, SME in Michigan, I believe it's 1964, mm-hmm. uh, is when we were founded. Um, and they are from there spread out. Uh, I think we have about 10 offices now throughout Michigan. Um, so pretty good footprint there. And then um, uh, nine years ago, they acquired EDP consultants out of uh, Kirtland, Ohio here, and that really brought them into the Ohio market. We had it touched into Toledo a little bit previously, but this was really kind of the first big step to get into Ohio. Um, and since then, we've added a Columbus office, uh, Cincinnati office, and also moved into uh, Indianapolis. I have a pretty sizable office there, too. Uh, employees-wise, I think we're... Hovering right around 300 total, um, mm-hmm. so which which to me I, I really appreciate that kind of size company. It feels like you're still a person and you're not just a number. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's kind of got this family feel from office to office. Like we have, I think at our peak in the summer when we have all of our co-ops in, I think we're somewhere around 30 people in the office. So it's it's a good size. We all. We're all friends and, you know, love having cookouts together throughout the summer. And it's, it, it makes for a good work environment. Sure. So tell us about notable projects, I guess, uh, within Cleveland and even in other markets that you think uh, our audience would be interested in hearing about or knowing about. So I think one of the cool big projects that I've had the pleasure of working on the last couple of years is the Euclid Wastewater Treatment Plant Expansion. 
Uh, that project started several years ago as a park with a gas station next to it, and they had to excavate down into the shale about 60 feet or more, get a million-gallon underground storage tank, and then cover it back up like nothing happened. Mm. So we did everything from doing the drilling and soil sampling in the beginning to say, hey, what do you need to know to design this excavation and design the earth retention system? We helped in the design of that. And then we monitor it, monitor it for about two to three years to say, okay, this is still safe excavation. You're not seeing excessive movement. And that's another example of you had a gas station. We found an underground storage tank that nobody knew was there. Hmm. So we were able to bring our environmental folks over to help the contractor kind of sort through that make sure we're all on the same page. How did you find the storage tank? They were digging and they found it. <laughs> <laughs> There's no technological x-ray that found it, huh? You can you can do testing for that ahead yeah. of time, but if it's a if it's a site where you're not planning that mm. or you're just going gung ho and not expecting to see it, that can happen. Yeah. So, but no, it's not the end of the world. It's no good. gas, no fire, no <laughs> unexpected Excitement. No explosions, no. <laughs> yeah, if you have a, based on like historical info, if you do have any indication that there might be something like that on a site, there are some techniques that we've used before, like GBR, to uh, try to identify the limits or at least get us pinged on a rough location of it so we can be a little bit more careful when we're digging. It's ground penetrating radar. Yeah. So we don't throw Thank too you. many acronyms around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. The industry is just full of way too many acronyms right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got I actually have a presentation that I do for some civ- other civil folks and some uh, architects called uh, what do all these acronyms mean? <laughs> <laughs> sure. I think I need to attend that. <laughs> so, uh, Brendan, what other I would say cool or interesting projects would you say you've worked on or that sure. have been of interest? Um, I'd say one of my favorite ones that I've worked on uh, in my recent past was uh, Cascade Park. It's over in uh, Elyria. Um, it's a major uh, park redevelopment, and it's pretty challenging earthwork project, and it really uh, took a good effort of uh, us working side-by-side side with the contractor and owner. The owner was Metro Parks. Um, to really work through some of these challenges, I uh, started off with a uh, – um, you got this very loose riverbed deposit. Um, so you, you're really starting your fill operation on some pretty nasty material that's waterlogged. So we had to come up with a scenario, uh, solution to get out of that. Um, worked with a specialty contractor to get um, what are called wick drains installed, helped us uh, control that um, and, and get our fill placed uh, at a a rate that allowed us to, uh, you know, stabilize it and get it built in nice. Um, also had some challenges there with uh, neighbors, had some residential homes really close to our construction area. Um, so we installed some uh, seismographs to monitor mm-hmm. uh, the vibrations from our construction activities to try to make sure that if any residents came back later and said, hey, I got this new crack that just formed, <laughs> well, we got this seismograph that says vibrations never exceeded the n- amount needed to, to cause any kind of damage. So we try to look at uh, opportunities like that where we can try to, you know, prevent any kind of any kind of lawsuits from coming up in the future. Right. Um, so that was kind of cool. 
working uh, working side by side with uh, contractors to to get through that project was a fun experience. So CEA, as you know, is an association primarily of contractors. We do have affiliates who are engineering firms, law firms, accounting firms. Um, we bargain, Tim, deep foundation, heavy equipment yeah, operators, pile drivers. pile drivers who are probably in spaces. Sounds like you had some right? on that job site. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what types of contractors and owners have you worked with here in northeastern Ohio from Sandusky to Youngstown area? Oh, it's it's such a wide breadth of people because we're the people you call and you kind of need to figure out a site. So um, I've worked with pile driving contractors. I've worked with drilled pier contractors, earthwork, general contractors, uh, concrete contractors, asphalt contractors. It's a pretty, if it's a heavy type civil application where you're digging into the ground or placing some kind of material, we're usually there. Mm-hmm. And then owners-wise, you own something in your building. Yeah, yeah it, it could be almost anything from from uh, small-time, just, um, you know, residential to big-time commercial, uh, government, um, work for the Metro Parks bunch. Um, it's, it, yeah, pretty much anyone who's interested in developing their site, um, we've, we've probably worked with them. Mm-hmm. So parking lot assessments or <laughs> whatever, I won't call them renovations, but redos or whatever the right term is. I mean, what yeah. is that an area that you have expertise? Yeah, we've got a whole slew of services that are dedicated just to helping you figure out parking lot repairs. So that's everything from a network level evaluation. Think of uh, Lakeland Community College as a good example. They're completely redoing their entire campus, so reconfiguring a bunch of parking lots, reconstructing a lot of pavement. They want to know what's going to work and what's not going to work for their soil conditions and based on the pavement conditions they have there. So we did a full evaluation, including some pretty cool stuff. Uh, It's called a falling weight deflectometer. It's non-destructive testing. So instead of drilling a hole in the ground, you're dropping a weight and measuring the vibrations from those waves. We can generate these pretty neat heat maps saying, okay, this is how strong your payment is. This is how strong your subgrade is. This is where mm-hmm. your problem is. You have a subgrade and pavement problem, or you have both. Wow. It's pretty complex. Yeah, it's pretty fun, though. It's cool. Sounds like <laughs> it. <laughs> it's a good uh, good part of the country to be into for being a pavement engineer like Allie. Like we, I think we had the worst pavement conditions because of our freeze-thaw cycles. Mm-hmm. Um so the fact where, uh, you know, a lot of this uh, talk about going into uh, autonomous vehicles and all that, a lot of the testing is being done in our area because they want to see how it holds up in the worst conditions for, for pavements. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a good challenge. And yeah, I think uh, one of the cooler projects we've had just recently in Michigan on a, do a lot of work for different car companies on their test tracks. Mm-hmm. And we can't say the specific... Uh, manufacturer but they're having an issue with their test track where it's ripping itself apart because they built a test track on a bunch of peat and didn't take it out (laughs) so one year later a brand new pavement's got oh probably a three inch wide crack that goes five feet or more and it just keeps moving so (laughs) so when would a owner or someone want to engage sme at what point would you come in for services 
So I think we really like to be involved right close to the beginning when you're planning the project. So you kind of have a rough idea, hey, I want to build a two-story office building on this site. Maybe it's already developed, maybe it's not, maybe it's vacant, but it's got a lot of stuff that's been demolished. Um, when you're at that stage, we can help kind of give you that preliminary information, maybe even before you purchase the property to say, hey, this is a good site, or hey, these are the issues you're going to have, should cost your solutions accordingly, make sure it's going to make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I would say that's definitely, it's always beneficial for us to get involved as early as possible. Um, really, I think there's there's benefit for keeping uh, us involved throughout most of the construction process, um, just for the unknowns that can come up and um, you know, we're, that's, we're, we're problem solvers. So, um, you know, inevitably there's always, always something that comes up, uh, on a project and that's kind of like where we, where we like to fit ourselves in and, and try to help you through those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if it's mid project and you encounter something you didn't expect, you know, we'd be happy to pick up the phone and, and get out there and give you our two cents on, on what we think can get you uh, to the next step. Is safety have a role in your business and engineering? Big time. Oh, yeah. Household uh, examples. So uh, that's kind of funny. They We always have a play on the acronym of our name, SME. We said soil materials earlier, but our safety department calls it Safety Matters Every Day. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So uh, Can't cry true like that, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we put a huge emphasis on safety. Um especially in our roadway construction projects. I mean, traffic control is critical, making sure that's set up property properly. I say that we probably go a little bit of the extra mile to make sure that that's safe because we want our drilling crews, we want our staff to go home safe every night. Same thing when we're on a construction site. We've got our safety coordinators for each office that come and visit sites to make sure our SME staff are being safe and make sure that they know what they need to do and have all the equipment that they need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We also, uh, you know, our, our field staff are really good about if, if they see a situation that appears unsafe as far as like earthwork wise, you know, we'll, we're not the kind to step back and, and let that go unnoticed. Like if there's a unsafe scene that we see on, on site, you know, we feel like an obligation to make sure that it's addressed and we bring it up to the appropriate people. Yeah. Makes sense. So when you're on a site, would you be there every day on the project site or would you just be on call on retainer? Kind of depends on the site. Um, Mm -hmm. What's an example that you can give of recent work? So a recent job that's going on right now, uh, it's an industrial facility. They do trucking. They're replacing about almost half a million square feet of pavement. And they're also doing some improvements to their stormwater systems. So that's the kind of thing where they're ripping out pavement every day. They're trying to do some evaluation of that underlying subgrade, maybe some testing every day. So when you're doing something that requires a decision or a test result, we should be there. So that's more of a full-time job. Mm -hmm. And would you do the testing? SME would do the testing? SME would do the testing. And the nice part about that is uh, if we're the geotechnical engineer of record as well, there's a problem and they need the geotechnical engineer to make a decision, they can just call us and get that decision in real time instead of having to wait and try to contact somebody else and maybe doesn't work for the same company, that kind of thing. What kinds of things would a geotechnical engineer have to decide on? 
It sounds like it's it's legally defined somehow. Yeah, it's it kind of there's a couple different or I guess there's a lot of different uh, things that we can help with with our. It's it's basically we we'll come up with a set of recommendations based on what our initial valuation shows, and so what what we would be called on during construction to decide on is if there's any changes to those recommendations on record. So say uh, um, uh, a bunch of fill or soil that is encountered that we didn't expect to encounter, I would go out and make a judgment call on, you know, whether that's suitable to be reused uh, as backfill or whether it's suitable for foundations or floor slabs to go on that. So it's kind of just to be able to keep our recommendations updated and current based on what you're seeing day to day in the field. So Allison or Brendan, SME joined CEA several months ago. Mm-hmm. What prompted that membership? What, what did you hope to uh, kind of achieve out of being a member and tell us about your experience to date? Mm-hmm. So CEA is a really great connector organization, I think, in the greater Cleveland area. You guys have a great con- cross-section of lawyers and your affiliate members. You've got engineers and some of your affiliate members, but you also have a lot of contractors. And those are the kind of people that need to know that we're here Mm -hmm. and that we're here to help. So I see a lot of value in CEA as an organization with that. I also, as a woman in the industry, really appreciate their diversity and inclusion initiative. That's so critical to this industry. That's a topic we should talk about sometime soon. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, CEA, as you know, offers a lot of education, right? So I have a two kind of two pronged question about education. Um, One is what advice would you share for a young person, high school or college about becoming a civil engineer or geotechnical engineer or some aspect of the work and business that you're in? And, and how can they get started and what experiences should they have and what aspirations should, would, would they uh, would, would fit and work well for them? Sure. I, I would say the big thing would be to uh, find yourself a co-op as soon as possible. Um, that getting, getting experience uh, working with the company um, during your summers off um, is really beneficial to your long-term success. It, it helps you stand out among other candidates when – full-time positions are available. Um, It also just starts to help you figure out what direction you want to go. Like as an 18-year-old preparing for the world, like I I had no idea what I wanted to do. And even civil engineering in general, there's so many pathways you can go. So taking advantage of uh, co-ops and internships really helps you figure out what you like and what you don't like and get a better understanding of what the industry really is about. Um, there's only so much you can learn in a classroom. And I feel like 80% of what I know now is stuff that I've learned in the field from, from our technicians and from contractors that I worked alongside who've been working in, in the trenches for way more years than I did. No pun um, intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> And just realizing that you can learn a lot from those people, being open to to listening and, and learning from, from those people really, really helps out a lot. Um, so I think uh, taking it kind of from a younger perspective, the way I got interested in civil engineering was following an ODOT engineer for a day. I got that opportunity through my counselor. 
I, I think the key to getting those opportunities is looking for them. Mm-hmm. And most schools will have something where you can follow somebody around for a day, or even if civil engineering is not for you, the opportunities that you can get through other industries and the trades are huge. And I think that's something that schools need to encourage even more of that, hey, you can have a career in many aspects of construction. It can be very, very fulfilling. So, Awesome. Well, that's a good, good. good place to end it. Thank you all for being on the show and look forward to seeing you at future meetings and events. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks thank- for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. To find more information about the discussion in this or prior episodes, be sure to check the episode notes section in your podcast app. Get notified and automatically download the latest episode by subscribing to the Construction Employers podcast in the iTunes Store or in Google Play. This podcast is brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Find us on the web at www.ceacisp.org.